what does it take to be a man? I mean, I figured uh, if y'all were going to sit, I might as well as well, but I get to recline. Um, Here's the problem, right? There is such a lack of a definition of manhood in our culture today that everything seems to be a man. Uh, Axe body spray. You know, that's the spray that if you go to youth camp, you inhale everywhere you go. Um, (laughs) Axe body spray has a a new commercial out. In this commercial, it, it asks some questions like, is it okay to be a man and wear pink? Is it okay to be a man and be a virgin? Is it okay to be a man and like other men? Is it okay to be a man and be afraid? And it says, how do you define a man? And when you looked into the story, because I, I, I Googled, you know, Axe Body Spray, and I looked at why they were doing this, and their definition or what they're trying to get to is this. There should not be a definition of what it means to be a man. Here's the problem with that. God absolutely defines what it means to be a man. We live in a day where rompums are a thing. This is a female romper made for men. We also live in a day where um, there's a new thing called male pantyhose. It's got designs to look like tattoos that men are going to start wearing. And I don't know if y'all saw the latest the, the man's shorts and sports set that are lace. We're losing ourselves, aren't we? I, let me just ask you women for a second. Let's go back in time to when you were looking for Mr. Ryder. Maybe you are today. And, and you find him. He was either your high school crush or a college guy or maybe a co-worker. And he invites you out to dinner And he shows up to the date wearing a romper with male pantyhose. (laughs) It sounds stupid, right? Like, you would say in your mind, I can never take this guy home to meet my dad. (laughs) Amen. Because I just tell you from my point of view, one day when my daughter decides to start dating, and she brings home a dude with a romper on, I don't need any, like, I don't have to do anything. I've got enough brothers out here today that will do the work for me, amen? (laughs) Like, I I don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen next. The man will never show back up to my door. Missing young man in Amarillo, last seen in a romper. (laughs) We live in such a strange generation that I think that we've got to do something about it inside the church. We can't expect for biblical manhood to just show up at our doors. We have to teach it. I want to make a couple of promises to you. Number one is this. As your pastor, it grieves my heart to see where men are going in our culture. We're losing them. Long gone are the days of chivalry and being masculine and leading families. Now we're relegated to just being a subplot to a joke. And that is not the way God intended it to be. And let me just tell you, women, I I don't want you to feel abandoned in this series, although this series is going to deal with men in our church. I want you to know from my heart that this is something you should be praying for. 
And as women, you should be calling out to God and saying, God, lead men back in our culture. Genuine men, men of character, men of courage, men of strength. God, lead men back. Because all of creation right now in our culture is saying, who cares about men? And let me just tell you what's going to happen with the deletion of masculinity in our culture. You would think, well, what's so wrong with that? Like, why do we need men in our culture? Because God said we needed them. And God raised up a son so that he could show men how to be men. In fact, we get scripture and letters to men to be men. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul finishes writing his letter to the first letter to the church at Corinth. He's in his final words to this church. In fact, he's starting to talk about women in the church and different people applauding them. And then 16.13 says this, Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be of courage. Now, I I can tell you, you, you're Bible scholars here. The first says, be alert. We get that from 1 Corinthians. This calling to stay awake, to not lose sight of what's going on. We also get staying firm in the faith because Paul keeps calling out to people, wake up, stay alert, don't forget what's going on. We also get the courage part, be of courage. It's the same promise that God gives Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. So it's still being cried out, but that one third point, act like men, is something that's so out of order in that verse. The only thing that we can really get from it is this. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to tell men to act like men. And all of 1 Corinthians reminds us how to act like that. So what's happened to us? Where's culture gone such that now we've forgotten what it looks like to be a man? I mean, if culture's telling you to go buy a romper, you should punch it in the face and say, God bless America. I mean, I I really feel like we've got to Okay, I, I just, women, we tried this at the men's breakfast a while back, and, and so don't be alarmed. But I think every once in a while we as men need to do something to get it out of our system. We need to grunt. Because there's something about men that we need moments of masculinity to remind us that inside of us is a God-created urge to be a man. Not to like, listen, I hope, men, that you write love letters to your wife. But I also hope that you, you chop up wood because you're a man. It's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to be a man. Time to smell a little bit. Now, I, I use deodorant because I also am married to a woman. And uh, so I like to be around her. Uh, but guys, let's give our grunt. You ready on the count of three? Let's, let's show the women in the room that we're here. Don't be afraid. I've already warned them. You don't have to be shocked, ladies. So you might hold on to the pew or hold hands with the lady next to you. Um, but, or you just might start in prayer, God, don't let me fall out in church. That would be embarrassing. I've already done my hair today. Um, but men, are you ready? On the count of three, we're just going to grunt. You ready? One, two, three. Ah! Yeah. Sometimes you just need that. You need this moment of deep spiritual grunt clarity. So let's talk about men. So I found a picture of a man. Is there anybody named Bob in the room? This is Bob. Uh, So let's talk about it for a second. Because first off, we were taught growing up 
that to be a man, you have to be born a man. If you look, however, online right now, and we did this the other day at the men's breakfast, Dale was looking on his phone as we were talking through some of his principles, and he looked it up, the definition of being a man. And it says, a person, either man or woman. This is the problem. Our culture says to be a man, you don't have to be a man. That's a problem. Any more than we would say today that being a woman, you don't have to be a woman. I would think if I'm a woman, I'd be angry about that. Because, listen, I've been graced by a great mom and a great wife, and what it takes to be a woman is astronomically different than what it takes to be a man. And anybody that would declare that they're any better than, you know, a woman by acting like a woman is not a woman. Let me just tell you, I don't care what you do. God created you. He created you for a purpose. And the way he intended you to be, he wanted you to grow up to be something. And I believe our God of our Bible declares that he created you perfect. And so if he created you to be a woman, he started you out as a girl. And if he wanted you to be a man, he started you out as a boy. Um, Countercultural, right? I mean, let's just admit it. Maybe you don't have a transgender friend. We, we do. I've got a friend that uh, when we met him, we didn't even know he was gay at the time. Um, great guy. We loved him deeply. He hung out with us a lot. Uh, when we left uh, that, that town, uh, he then came out of the closet. Now he's moving transgender. And we've had a lot of interesting conversations on Facebook. And y'all may think, oh, here's what I do as pastor. I just rip him over the coals. I tell him how God hates him and that how God doesn't love him anymore since he's transgender. I, just opposite. I tell him how much I love him and how much he is still my friend and how I want God to speak over his life. You know why? Not the Holy Spirit. God made me different than the Holy Spirit. He made me Kyle, and I'm bruised, broken, and battered. I got my own sin. That's, that is too much plank and too much sawdust. Here's what we get to do inside the church. Although we understand that Scripture tells us the absolutes, that God created you the way he intended you to be, sin gets in the way of that. Now, I want you to know from my heartbeat, this is not a, a sermon for you to go out and get a sign and ridicule the world. Brian talked about that last week. It, maybe, okay, can I just, okay. If you want to go to a church that hates people, this isn't it. For God so loved the world, he gave Jesus for them all. So don't, don't come here ready to hate. Come here ready to change radically by Jesus' power, to love a lost world and let the Holy Spirit do his work. That's how we change the world. It's hard. It's difficult. It's hard, y'all. Let's go back to our man series right quick. So we believe biblical manhood says this. Here's where it gets confusing. Because to be a man, some people say this. you got to be able to grow a beard. <laughs> Doug Dynasty style. The other is this. To be a man, you got to be strong. Right? Like you can't be a man and not have superior muscles. If you're not Arnold, you're nothing. Come here, puny man, right? Here's the other. To be a man, you got to be handy. Like if you can't chop wood, are you, 
right there in that section, I'm killing you with this right now. I'll put it down here in a second. They're like, I can't even tell what Bob is. Um, you got to be handy. Or, or maybe this, to be a man, you have got to be wealthy. We have all these definitions of manhood that we've heard over our lifetimes, right? To be a man, you've got to be A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And the problem with it is this. Our culture says of manhood, most men look like this. Hey, Dad, can you see that I'm watching sports right now, son? Okay. I mean, we've become the joke, right? So somewhere amongst the joke and what culture says of manhood we have a problem that problem leads us to a a really big question what does God say about being a man you know I, I think that if we're being honest most of us in this room would say that we don't know but I have this vision in my mind and this prayer in my heart that one day my daughter will grow up and out of youth group and into college age, and she won't settle for any just guy that she meets. Because she grew up at Quell Creek, where men live. That when she's in this room, she looks around and she goes, I want to marry something like that. And she can point to a biblical man. That one day my son will grow up out of youth group and into college, And he will be a man that women look to for a godly example of manhood. Because he's grew up amongst men. The problem is this. Today we've got to define what that looks like. Because we can't hope that just happens. In fact, you can't go home and just hope that you're that. Because there's some things that we should be like living out and showing every day that we're missing. How do I know we're missing it? Look at our world. The biblical man is vanishing. Our culture is not the problem. In fact, whether you believe it or not, our president's not the problem. The church is the problem. We're not living like Jesus anymore. And at some point, we've got to have our bellies full of that. I don't want to go home the same anymore. I don't want to be the same person I was yesterday. God, change me somehow. God, break me so that when I go home, I don't even act the same way. May we pray that we would go home with a limp for the sake of the gospel. This is what being a man means. It means showing up at church courageously, leading your family forward, hitting the altar in prayer. Let me just tell you something. The most manly thing you could do is be broken right here. And so let me just ask you today, men, how's it going? Because if you're like me, you're looking out and you're going, I want to be that. But what does it look like? So let's go to the text, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. 1 Timothy, some of y'all are like, oh, I know what 1 Timothy is. That's, That's just about pastors, isn't it? Because, I mean, we don't need to talk about anything but pastors, and this just has nothing to do with me, Pastor. Let me just tell you, all Scripture is God-breathed. Amen. And whether you want it to be or not, it's useful for you. Maybe today it's so that you would be rebuked. 
Maybe today it's so you'd be corrected. And maybe it's so today you would be healed. 1 Timothy 3 says this. This is a trustworthy saying. Anyone that seeks the office of an overseer, he desires noble work. Which means this. That when we look at the text, we, we get that anybody that desires this kind of office, and it's talking about an overseer, somebody that leads the church, it's someone that would model Jesus, it would be the under-shepherd model. But it, in this next part of Scripture, it's going to start to talk about what it looks like to be a man. To be an overseer, you have to fill these qualifications. Which means this, as men on the staff, you should hold us accountable to these. I, none of my staff, they're all like, mm, mm, mm. no, thank you. Just like the men in our room today. Pause, right? I mean, let's just be honest as men. None of us wants our closet searched through or our diaries opened. You're like, men don't have diaries. Okay, our field books opened. This is what it says, an overseer therefore must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, and able teacher. Not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. One who manages his own household completely, having his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Furthermore... He must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Here's the first thing. Manhood is not a byproduct of boyhood. Manhood is not a byproduct of boyhood, which means this. You and I both know guys that grew old but never grew up. Our prisons are full of them. You might have known one of them. They're the guy that you meet now at this point of life, and you go, I don't want to be around them. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to do. Because at some point, they never grew up as though they felt like being Peter Pan was a good thing. But see, we need to change culture a little bit. Age is great. Age brings about experience and wisdom. So let's not go, oh, look, they're old. Like we, we joke about that. I joke about that with my friends. But there's a beauty in that, right, that says when you and I start to identify that, that manhood is not a byproduct of being a boy, that means this, you may get older, but at some point you must grow up. We can't keep acting like we've always acted. We can't keep doing what we've always done. We must at some point mature mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. At some point, we've got to grow up, or it means this. You would walk into church, and you come in, and you sit in your pew, and Grant starts leading worship, and you go, but I don't like this song. Ah! There's a reason we leave our preschoolers down the hall. So here's the deal. If that's you on Sundays, even if it's in your head, go join them. In this room, we're leading to adulthood. We're leading to fully matured Christians that show up ready to see Jesus. I'm reminded of this every day. That preference is the enemy of holiness. Because your preference is never the preference of God. Because his ways aren't your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. 
So just remind yourself of this constantly. I am an adult. You need to tell yourself that, so go ahead. If you're a child in here, just look at an adult as they say this. You ready? After We're going to go one, two, three, and I just want you to declare it this morning. You ready? On the count of three, we're going to say, I'm an adult. You can stomp your foot if you want. Um, but here we go. You ready? On the count of three, I'm an adult. Ready? One, two, three. I am an adult. That was so pathetic. <laughs> As though being an adult makes us boring. I am an adult. Now, see, here's the problem with being an adult. Being an adult doesn't make you boring. In fact, it brings you to life. Because as a child, you have constraints. Because you can't handle the world. But as an adult, we get to conquer the world. Because we are more than conquerors through Christ. We are bought with a price. Therefore, we are to honor God with our bodies. We are to be, you know, ambassadors of Jesus. We are a royal priesthood. We get to be an adult. Congratulations, if you made it this far, God let you live, be an adult. So are you ready? Let's try it again. On the count of three, I want you to say, I'm an adult. Now, I want you this time to remind someone in this room that you're an adult. There is an enemy. And while you are a child of God, he wants you to live defeated. And so today, we're going to declare to that enemy that we're an adult. That we're leaving the child high, you know, things behind us and we're heading toward adulthood and faith. We're changing the tide. We're becoming an adult. So let's tell him that this morning on the count of three. One, two, three. I am an adult. Did you hear that? So what happens when mature people show up. They do battle. They do work. And so this list says that these men that rise out of the crowd should have these following things. And men, I hope that you'll model your faith after this. And it says this. You should be above reproach. You should have one wife at a time. Don't be pluralistic. That's what the scripture says. Be self-controlled. Be sensible. Be respectable. Be hospitable. An able teacher. Not addicted to wine. Not a bully, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not greedy. One who manages his own household completely. Having his own children under control with all dignity. Not a new convert. And has a good reputation with outsiders, which means this. His conduct should be completely reviewed and refined. The, every man in this room should have his conduct reviewed and refined. Amen. So here's the problem. I want you to be honest with me, men. I, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for this. I think that we're family enough that we can do it. How many of you on a weekly basis have men that pour into your life? I'm not asking how many of you get around men at a coffee table and drink coffee. That's great. I'm asking how many of you have men that speak to you about your spiritual walk on a weekly basis, that you get together with them, you throw everything on the table, all your cards are out, and you just say, this is who I am. Are you ready? How many of you would say on a weekly basis, I've got a group of men that meet with me and hold me spiritual accountable? Raise your hand. That's the problem, right? Because we as men want to be somebody for Christ. We as men want to be men of courage and character and spiritual strength. But we don't ask anybody to help us with it because we're stubborn. And that's not an attribute that, that 1 Timothy says you should have. You should be someone that puts all the cards on the table and says, see how I'm doing and ask me if I can change something. And if you're not doing that, let me just tell you something today. Don't ask God to make you a man. Because he put the church in your body and in your mind so that you would put all the cards on the table.
So you may be struggling with things and going, I can't get out of this. I can't follow through getting rid of the sin in my life. I can't seem to make the wise decisions. And then you're like, I'm going to read Proverbs 100 times, and it keeps saying wise counsel, wise counsel, counsel of many. And you go, I get that, God. Yes, thank you, Lord. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm telling you, find a counsel of men. Today, we're identifying that manly men do manly things. And so to be a manly man, you must do manly things. And that first thing is this. Find some men and just declare, I need men in my life. I need some men that just hold me accountable, that meet with me and ask me spiritual questions. Ask me how my marriage is doing. Ask me how I'm doing with my kids. I need men that I can go to and call to when I'm on the ledge of sin and I need help. And I don't know if I'm going to make the wrong decision or the right decision. I need a phone call that can say, I'm on the edge, man. Help me. Because I want to tell you something. That's what men do. We're not isolated. We're not an island. We are men. So let's quit acting like pansies and let's start acting like men. You know why? Because God made you that way. Now is the time to engage that and act like men. Boom. That's amen in my version. I, I, just, I needed that. <laughs> but we must be okay by being tested by our other church family. All the cards on the table. And the last is this. To be a manly man that does manly things, you not only need to look through these qualities, but it means this. He must not only see the enemy's traps, the end of this verse says, but he must know how to defuse them. There's some men in this room that are diffused traps that are going to come up in my path. I'll be walking down it, and I'll see it ahead, and I'll go, man, that is a trap, and I know it, but I can't avoid it. It's like that train wreck look, right? It's coming. I just don't know what to do. That's why I need a phone call. Man, I see a trap. How do I avoid it? And that brother will say, hey, not only can I show you how to avoid it, I'm going to trip it, and you can walk right past it. We need men. Because mainly men do mainly things. Mainly men run in packs. Mainly men build others up. And mainly men live for the glory of God. That's what mainly men do. So I'm just going to ask you today, men, how's it going? I'm going to invite you to do something to end this time together. It's an invitation. I'm going to ask for two groups to have happen here in just a minute. Number one, I'm going to ask for men as we start our invitation here in a second. Ask for men that want to be a part of other men's lives. You would say, I will give time to two or three other men, and I will be available to them. We'll exchange numbers, we'll call, we'll set up a time to meet me and two or three other men. I, I'll do it, Brother Kyle. Call on me, I, I'll be there. I'm going to ask you to do this. As soon as we start the invitation, I'm going to pray. As I'm praying, I want you to move. And I just want you to come file up here, and I want you to turn and face this way. If you'd say, I'd be that kind of man that would meet with two or three other men, count me in. I'll do it. You just go ahead and line up next to us here. The next group is this. As the invitation starts, you may say, I wouldn't want to lead it, but I'd sure like to be a part of something like that. That you'd come down, and you'd find one of these men, and you just grab them by the hand and say, I'm in. Let's just see what happens. Here's the other thing. Even if you won't do it, I want you to come forward this morning. I'm going to put you in the trap. Because I believe this, that in every heart of every male person in this room beats the heart of a potential spiritual man. Amen. Waiting to be unleashed. And I believe God's going to do that in you. If you'll just start acting like a man.
So are you ready? Where are my men of courage today? Be strong and courageous. Don't let the enemy set a trap before you. It's time to act like a man. Let's pray. Father God, moving this time, God, we pray that you would lead manly men, God, forward, that would stand in the lives for other men. God, even as I pray, God, I'm not even going to look, Father. I'm going to keep my eyes closed and my head bowed. God, send them, Lord. Send men to lead men. Send men to be amongst men's lives, Lord. Lord, let them be strong and courageous, God. Let them stand in the gap for other men. Lord, let them be courageous this morning. Let men act like men again, Lord. Lord, for your glory, for your strength, for your power, God, lead us into the heart of Jesus this morning. God, we want to be changed by him today. So God, lead men. Send them, God. Send men. God, we pray that you would move, Lord. We pray that you would inspire, God. We pray that you would change things, God. Lord, we want the story to change today, God. We're just declaring what the enemy has done in the past is so done. Lord, we just declare that today that you're going to raise up a new generation of men that will stand boldly. Lord, men that will stand godly and they'll stand for their families. They'll stand for their culture. And God, they will stand for the name of Jesus Christ. So God, today we just declare the work of the enemy is done. God, let men rise up and let them rise up right here, right now. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all the church said, amen. Stand to your feet and you come right now. Let's be men this morning. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor around this room where you men are standing. I want you to cluster now. 
want you to cluster in fours. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather together, and I want you to say, after church, we're going to meet, and I want you to find a place. And when we meet, we're going to exchange numbers, and we're going to find a time where we start to open up to one another and say, we want to get to know each other spiritually. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to open that First Timothy passage, and we're going to start talking about what's real. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing another verse. I want you to gather in fours. Would you say, we're going to meet here, and I want you to find a place in the church right after service, and we're going to meet, and we're going to start to talk about how to really change to be men. Are you ready? As we sing one more verse, you make your move. Gather in fours. You ready? Let's go. So what could I say? What could I do? But often it's hard instructions afterward, Father in heaven. Lord, I pray this is the start, God, of something mighty that you would do by the work of your spirit. God, when men gather together for the sake of your glory, God, you change churches. So God, let it start today. Lord, I pray that you would start to develop men into being men of great courage and spiritual strength, God. God, that you'd let them be leaders and guide them spiritually, God, that you would rise up a mighty generation of worshipers. God, who come as warriors, who conquer. God, lead us to be men. Lord, keep defining for us how to be a man after your own heart. God, so lead us, Lord. Thank you, God, for the work of the Spirit today. We give you great praise. For in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.